Hello, happy holidays. Welcome to a special edition of Talking Baseball. We're talking Raul Ibanez and Morgan Sword about rule changes. Executive VP of Baseball Operations. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. Hello and welcome back to Talking Baseball presented by Seat Geek. Uh, awesome, awesome guest today. An awesome baseball talk uh, with Raul and Morgan. Uh, the guys that are leading the way in the rule changes in MLB and how they're going to affect your team and your favorite players. So, um, we had so much fun with them. Raul was giving us like this look like, wait. I think Raul Ibani has expected us to be kind of total knobs. And we yeah. were pretty locked in. And he, like, at, they were very impressed with you guys. At one point, they were like, I think we might have to get these guys involved because they might care too much about baseball. So uh, go check it out and make sure you go check out SeatGeek Code Talking 20% off your first SeatGeek order. That's Code Talking SeatGeek. Download the app. Go check it out. Talking $20 off. Here's our interview, Bong. We are joined by Morgan Sword and Raul Ibanez, uh, and we're talking some rules today, and I got this isn't fluffing you guys. Okay. We do talk in baseball. When the CBA was going on, we dove into the CBA. Oh, yeah. I mean, partially because we had to. Uh, nothing else. There was, nothing else to talk about. But we also realized then, we host the show Talking Baseball. Our people love baseball. So the stuff that you guys are doing right now with some of the rule changes, and it's big stuff. I mean, baseball, you know, we talk a lot about the adjustments and how the game naturally changes, and sometimes the, nat- the game didn't naturally change, and I think that's how we got to some of these rules. So excited to yuck it up with you guys. So how are we doing? Thank you. Doing great. Thanks for having us. Yeah. yeah. Back at you. Yeah. It's nice to be here. And I think, like, off the bat, I have been publicly an advocate for a lot of the, the rules that got – a trial run in the minors. I thought they were all like, good, this is a good direction to go. And then the ones that we're seeing next year, I'm so excited. I'm, I'm really excited to see what the difference is. And part of this comes from during COVID and pandemic, we watched like the biggest innings from every World Series from yeah. 72 to 2018. And we watched a full inning, not just the plays like the. And uh, I said, shit, they're right. Baseball was a little more fun when balls were put in play more. Um, to be fair, you saw both sides of it. You saw guys bunting with the runner on first and no yeah. outs, and you were like, that was, okay. That was too much. There was too much bunting going on, yes. But anyway, so, yeah, we're not uh, really – because a lot of baseball people I talk are like, no, I don't like this, I don't like that. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm very excited. I'm in favor of it. Us so, too. Yeah. I have a lot of questions, but I guess uh, – what is the one uh, change? I guess the shift is where we have to start because that's the biggest one, right? Yeah. How long have people been call, uh, talking about a shift in the clubhouse? Or like how long have players have, – have players been doing this or is this fan-driven? Like, like 10 years ago or, you know? Yeah, I can tell you offensively, um, I can go back to my time in Philadelphia where I was watching the shift – completely crush Ryan Howard. Yeah. Just completely crush him. He hit bullets, 200-foot line drives to the outfield, one-hop the second baseman, get thrown out at first, and uh, and, and kind of force him to change his behavior a little bit. So in the locker room, especially for left-handed hitters, um, it's been a talking point for a while. At the same time, I'll tell you that, um, you know, I've talked to people from the older generations that are like, just hit the ball the other way. The shift doesn't mean that you're a pole hitter. It just means you're a pull hitter when you hit the ball on the ground. Yep. So if we go back in time and we look at, let's say, you know, Tony Gwynn, may rest in peace, or Wade Boggs, and, and let's look at how many line drives they hit past the third baseman, it's not a lot. right? They were getting a lot of hits that were in the hole. Um, traditional you know, baseball base hits, balls that were up the middle, balls to the right of the second baseman where he would backhand the ball and you could beat it out. So um, it's been the talking point for a while from a player perspective. From the rule change perspective, was it always going to be four on the dirt? Because then it was like, if they do do change it and make a rule, what's it going to be? Is it going to be two on each side, uh, four on the dirt, and one or the other, then the line drawn? And we, yeah. you, we, we came to all of it, right? There's lots of different versions of it. We yeah. tried a bunch of different versions in the minor leagues. Uh, where we settled is basically a 
three-part rule. One, you got to have four infielders on the infield dirt. Two, two of them have to be on each side of second base, at least two on each side. And then three, you can't switch players back and forth um, each hitter, right? Because first right. thing the clubs told us is we're just going to put our best fielder on the pull side every time. So mm-hmm. um, uh, that's part of the rule, too, to, to keep that from happening. So They shouldn't have said that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, right. you know, it's, it, 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 what's going to be interesting is it allows for – a defensive alignment that I think most traditional baseball people would still call a shift, right? Where you play yes. shortstop kind of right behind second base, your second baseman pulled over to the right side and your first baseman on the line. Um, and, you know, ask kill hundred people, but a lot of them would tell you that still kind of looks like a shift to me. So there's, there's more restrictive versions of it that, um, you know, we could talk about in the future, but we think this one on its own is going to have a pretty big impact in terms of, you know, the way the hitting approach. And, and so you, uh, so you're, your players are set for that inning? Like if the guy plays, you said they can't switch, the third baseman can't run across? Correct. So it's not for batter. It's for like the game, I guess? The game. The game? Yeah. Okay. I didn't know that part. Yeah. And I'm glad because we went to the World Series in 2020 in in Texas, which is a Rays and the Dodgers, and it was so boring watching Justin Turner pause the game, change gloves, or pause the game and run to uh, right. right field yeah. and then go back to third base and then back and then do it like at pitches and counts and I was like this is bad yeah this is really slow yeah yeah so, and we do, we do this because you know it's like all these decisions that these clubs make are um, good baseball decisions right they, they create more outs on balls in play it works and, and it works yeah it's a better best way to say it so uh, so yeah it's kind of our job as the rule makers to acknowledge that and you know try to restrict people enough where you restore a more traditional aesthetic to the game and you allow the players on the field to display their athleticism right and, and that's another benefit i think we're going to see this year is when you force these guys out of their optimal position you're going to see more athletic plays more range you know short stops that can move are going to become more valuable yep um, second basins are going to exist again yeah exactly yeah yeah so, and if, oh, i'm sorry full disclosure though I loved watching Justin Turner go back and forth because um, I was in the front office with the Dodgers then, and I got a ring <laughs> yeah, out of it. Okay. So All right. just there to be go. clear and fair and transparent, I love that part. Of that it. game plan yeah. worked. Yeah, it worked. Yeah. Um, I, so I, I love my Those two, two favorite teams thing. shifted so much, they, though. It, it was crazy. It was yes. like, yeah. Yes. You two, never saw baseball. Yes. Like, that's what we were saying the words mm-hmm. there. Sorry. Where you just never looked and you saw four infielders, <laughs> three outfielders, the whole game. You're like, as well. So, my two favorite things on a baseball field – Someone plays the hot corner the right way. I mean, that just gets my heart pumping. Center field. And when a center fielder chases a ball in the gap, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's my favorite thing in the sport. Watching Byron Buxton just, like, start gliding, and he gets to another part of the field. How much has outfield shifting been discussed with you guys? Because, I mean, that's just as much, but it has to be the infield. Like Jimmy said, the options kind of got laid out a little bit with staying on the infield and using the bases. Like, there, there was a formula there. The outfield gets super tricky because, I mean, the best thing that I came up with is you mark spots in the outfield, but marking a spot in the outfield, I mean, that's sinful in it's baseball. Ugly. The beautiful green outfield. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess how much discussion has gone into Maybe what's you going put on like, there? Uh, like measurements and they can't be, you have to be this much away, like magnetized. Or like so a shot collar yeah. or yeah. something like a dog. You've want, he's, he, he wanted um, outfield shift as well. So yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, there's, there's some merit to that idea. I think, you know, if you look at, the way outfielders are positioned for the last 15 years, they've been getting deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper. And, you know, you used to, when we were kids, hear the term no doubles defense. doesn't exist anymore because no. everybody, every play is on no doubles defense. So, um, and, you know, when you ask fans, what do you want to see more of in a baseball game? Top three answers are doubles, triples, stolen bases. And where are our doubles and triples going? They're disappearing into the deep outfield positioning. So, um, you know, the logic would follow that force the outfielders in somehow, create more doubles and triples and yeah. more exciting plays, you know, ranging and, um, and diving for the ball. Well, that's, I, I mean, even, you know, we are Yankee fans. So I, I just, Gary Sanchez in recent years, he used to hit these darts down left field line and the left fielder, all right, squeeze it, one out. <laughs> and I, I the, the double to the corner is one of the more electric ga- plays in the sport. And that's been taken out too. So I, I don't know. I, it's 
it's got to be tough to put the actual rules around it because even when you said, you know, hey, you have to start your guy at one position and he's got to stay there because I, I just – we flash-forwarded to the Rays and it's like, all right, Willie Adamas, you're playing second base this inning. They got three lefties coming up. So that the outfield rules have to be so tricky, but I – I, well, I don't I, know what kind of path it's on, but I'm you've you've got a fan in so, me on it. Yeah, what what other things did teams like, or what's the process of trying to think through? Like, okay, what what is this going to create? What are the what are the teams like the Rays and and uh, Dodgers and all these analytical teams that are always looking for an edge to be better, which you can't fault them for. Like, what are they going to do? You know, some people are saying that you're just going to take the left fielder and put him in shallow right. right. Yeah. Do you think teams are really going to do that? So we ask them. I mean, the the, the <laughs> front offices so? are are really involved in the development of all these rules and the testing of them. And not only do they, you know, they oversee the minor leagues uh, where we're testing all this stuff, but they're constantly providing input to us. So you know, we'll we'll send questions to all these clubs like, hey, if we make this rule, could you guys give us some sense of what you'd do, mm-hmm. right? How would you play this? How would you? And and um, you know, there's a lot of great baseball minds, yeah, uh, or, you know, around and. Um, and they've been very helpful to us. And hopefully we're going into this season with as many of those kind of loopholes closed as possible. But, you know, odds are we didn't get it 100% perfect. So, you know, I'm sure that some things will be revealed in spring training that maybe we need a tweak or, you know, things we forgot about. But hopefully, you know, we've been really thorough about this. It's taken a couple of years, and we're, we're close as we can be. I, I do feel better about it from a player perspective. If you're gonna, if you decide to take your center fielder and stick him in shallow right, force him to field a ground ball and make a throw. Yeah. With the guy running up the line, you know, in the first base That's and having true. to move, I do feel better about that. Plus, as a hitter, it's a lot easier to loft a fly ball to the opposite field than it is to hit a ground ball. You just mm-hmm. kind of block it over there. Yeah. You just kind of block it over there, get underneath it, and it opens up the possibility to creating more doubles triples in space. In the the risk is much higher. If a team yes. is like, we're yeah. going to do yeah. that, yes. the risk for doing that, the whole stadium would be laughing and it'd be like entertaining in, its, in itself. And it's it's going to player value, right? Like someone like Kike Hernandez who plays center field but also plays infield, a guy like him might become more valuable. It's uh, it's so funny how people try to trick this game and try to find the advantage. And I'm I'm sure a couple a weeks into spring training, stakes. we're going to find out a oh, few yeah. things. A couple oh, weeks into the regular season. Spring training is going to be full of teams <laughs> practicing <laughs> all these things. And they'll yeah. never do it, but they're just going <laughs> to practice it. Uh, have, I, yeah. have, you, have you guys – and I'm, I'm sure you have, so I'd maybe – Tweak the question how it needs to be. But the, <laughs> make my question better. The, the guy we've yes, please. The way at, Rizzo's been our example. You know, I think he ended up hitting around 225 this year. He kind of feels like a 250 hitter in modern day baseball. Do you guys have any idea like the adjustment on the league average or? I, oh yeah, is that I don't like know. Forecast it out, or is there algorithms like what this will change? Yeah, we've had. Uh, some intelligent guesses at it you know unfortunately when you test in the minor leagues that's not a great proxy because there's not as much shifting in the minor league so when you restrict shifting it doesn't have that big an impact Um, and then the other thing you can't really account for in the testing is hitter approach right so to what extent are hitters going to really change the way that you know they they swing the bat Um, but you know uh, and so the analysis is kind of limited in that sense and we're going to be finding out alongside everybody else but um you know, when you ask guys like this, uh, you know, people think it's going to have a pretty big impact on on, yeah. um, on the ball and play environment. <laughs> yeah, you, it's definitely because it gets to the point where you're being shifted and you start lining out, hitting, you know, hard ground balls, 200 foot ground balls and you're out and you go, you know what? I'm just going to try to hit the ball over everybody. Yeah, that's yeah. where the money is anyway. That's where the money is anyway. I'm tired of doing it. Where if you incentivize guys to put balls in play, nobody wants to go home one for five with a home run, you know, s- 30 times a year. Yeah. Nobody wants to do that. It's a, it's a very difficult thing, but I do think it'll incentivize players and have an effect on player behavior and hitter approach. Because you want to be productive. You want to win the game. You want to help your team win the game. And if there's more opportunity and more holes, then you're more likely to try to uh, do things that, that help that outcome. Yeah. Especially Yankee Stadium where you have where like Rizzo's went down and you sell to share and McCann and all their batting averages go down. I'm interested to see, like, how was your approach when you came? Because there's no doubles and triples if you're a lefty. Because the way they stack the fielders, there's no green. There's no point in trying to hit a ball hard on the ground or on a line. It's not just that the fence is shorter. It's that the amount of grass is shorter. So you, to get one to drop is basically you have to mishit it for it to drop in there. 
and loop in. So they did a whole article about that. Fangraphs did about like the BABIP at Yankee Stadium is for lefties and right field is nothing because there's nowhere for the ball to land. So it's a combination. Did you feel like pressure or, or was it exciting when you see that short porch or is it also pressure like shit? I can't hit the ball anywhere but out. You want to pull the ball in the air? Pull it in the air in the general <laughs> direction over that way because mm-hmm. uh, that's where the incentive is. Um, at the same time, it's hard to drive guys in, to your point. There's a lot less grass. So even hitting a hard one-hopper or two-hopper to the outfield, you can't really drive in guys from second base doing that at, at, that, type, at that ballpark or places like Philadelphia, too, yeah. where you hit a bullet at the right fielder and you have an above-average runner at second base, but he can't score anyway. So it does incentivize you to pull the ball in the air, and it incentivizes the club to go find guys that can pull the ball in the air. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On, on this topic of kind of um, athletic ability, defense, making plays, I have a rule proposal for you. Rod, Rod Carew's on my side here, so that, <laughs> so that is we, uh, yeah, so we got a little backing up. over here. Okay. It's uh, take paper out of baseball. That's my campaign slogan. And I don't think outfielders should have a piece of paper that tells them where to stand. Because I think no fan... From the reaction, it looks like there's been a discussion about that. <laughs> no Jeff. fan... I'm not great at reading no people, No fan but. is going to stand up and be like, great preparation. That coach knew exactly. They put it right on the paper. But if that guy doesn't move the 10 feet, runs 10 feet, makes the play, the whole place is standing up. Yep. Let me tell you. So philosophically, 100% with you that like we don't think clubs should be competing with each other on who has the better positioning algorithm, right? That's not, like, we should be competing with each other on whose players play baseball better, right? right? Um, problem, we, we talked about this extensively, actually, that exact idea, and we also have started to see hitters have cards in their pockets, too, that if you take those cards away, they're just going to do the same thing from the bench, and they're going to have the out. Yeah, but then you get, you know, there. you get the Lou Pinella play and, like, the Paul O'Neill play where Don Zimmer's like, get that way. And at least, like, <laughs> the fans see that. Yeah. I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, totally. But right, uh, We'll put it yeah. back on the list. I went, I went to an Angels game, and Calhoun was out there and after every batter, and then literally marching, one, two, three, <laughs> four, five. Six. And I was like, oh, man, yeah. like, you're not even playing baseball. You want to hear something crazy? We actually just, had to outlaw – clubs using lasers right. to shoot them that. at the spot in the outfield where they want their guy to, to, to play. Yeah, um, I mean, some fielders that might like That doesn't sound like baseball. I know, I know uh, like Mike Talkman came to the Yankees, and he loved it. He was like, they put me in the best place to succeed. Like, this is awesome. But, yeah, I think, you know, as getting new fans and, like, getting highlight plays is that guy takes five steps, makes that play, it's more exciting. Yeah, it's definitely more exciting. And, and I also think it rewards – the player that could actually that does his own homework and instincts and you know try to get players to play more intuitively at the same time if you're with a club I totally get why you're doing it mm-hmm. the algorithms are right. good the defensive oh, yeah. positioning is really good it works yeah. yeah it works it works really yeah. well but that's why like rules get adjusted when you you kind of break the the game a little bit or yep. you're like oh this is a little dull it's like you know any game in the backyard you know older brother starts winning you're like hey that's now a foul ball yeah all right, <laughs> what else you got? We, we're making a list for this year in the minor league. So you <laughs> That's my only one. Okay. I think. We'll see. We'll see roll, as we roll, go. Rollover outs, entice the, oh, the two-out double play, and the next <laughs> inning starts with an out. It's, just, too, <laughs> it's too early for rollover <laughs> okay. outs. I'm sorry okay. we jumped there. Let's, I don't want rollover outs, but I joke about that all the time. Nothing's too gimmicky. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, yeah. let's, let's go to maybe the bags. I don't, I don't know if you had an order you wanted to go in, but. No, the bags is a nice quick a nice quick one. The bases are getting bigger. Uh, there's some safety stuff. There's some stolen bases. You mentioned what fans want to see and people want to see. Uh, we've got what now from first to second, second to third, you're going to be four inches closer, two inches on each side, right? I mean, how, how, again, I know we're projecting and it's impossible to truly know until we know, but. It's more safety, right, than like game changing? Yeah. <laughs> Because they're slanted more. It's t- you don't got to well, run on a Tell us about the safety, yeah. but it's just it's so hard because, I mean, especially with replay now and, at, you know, bang, bang, play at first base. Like, I don't know. I, I wonder – I just wonder how much that's going to change and how much we're going to be saying, like – Right. He, that guy was only safe because of the bigger base. Right. Yeah. You're going to have no doubt about it. Yeah. I mean, on the margin, it moves a lot of, you know, uh, bang, bang plays to safe, and it makes – uh, a lot of steals successful that yeah. that, that weren't, um, and that's great. You know, but both both will be helpful. But yeah, I think that's right. The, the bigger impact of the bigger bases is 
giving today's player more room to operate and reducing the collisions yeah. um, that occur at the bases. And, you know, you think about when we first picked 15 inches for the size of the bases, our players were much smaller than they are today. <laughs> uh, so, uh, and, and um, you know, we, we get a lot of injuries that are avoidable, at, particularly at first base of, you know, the ankles getting stepped on and that kind mm -hmm. of thing. How close were you guys to doing, like, the softball double bag? And is it only not doing that because it's – a softball double bag and ugly because it seems like <laughs> it seems you like, the, like you like the double bag i wouldn't i mean i'd be like oh that looks only because our brains see it as amateur that's yeah. the only reason it's yeah. like now we see guys with the ear flap helmets and no one bats an eye because they and now they wear the face guard but if you in 1998 you saw one guy wearing that face guard you'd be like Pfft. i remember when terrence long busted it out for the a's and everyone was like whoa Terrence. Yeah, What's this guy so, scared of the ball. So he, I think <laughs> that's, I think that's a face. rule that even me for like one year would be like, oh, ugly, yeah. ugly. And then after year five, you'd be like, oh, we haven't had a collision this year. And there's no baseline dispute where we're getting ejected. So I think if that ever was to change after a little bit, people would be like, this makes so much more sense. You <laughs> can run you, through it anyway. What would you do if a uh, ground ball hit the foul portion of the base? Foul ball? Foul? Yeah. It's a fair. It's just fair, on right? the umpire to make that call where it hit the base. Yeah, no, like eventually you just get replay. And get then, some sensors on the bag. Right? I mean, it's no, it's 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 no harder than the line. It's a big bag. Yeah, having that little line is harder to call than a giant bag where it's going to ricochet. Yeah. Well, you know when it hits the base, right? You, yeah, the, yeah. The, but I do think if that was ever hours. to change, after a while, people would be like, that would help. "Yeah." I mean, we'll see how the bigger bases go. I mean, in the minor leagues, roughly injuries at the bases were down like twenty five percent, like materially, wow. and uh, hopefully, we'll see the same thing at the big league level. But it's not enough, you know. Yeah. Safety base, we'll put that in. The well, list. they're also <laughs> better for like rain, right? Like the water. There's like grooves in the bags now because that's what Trevor Plouffe is, uh, you know, third host of the show. He was like, "Oh, they're not just going to be slippery bricks anymore." <laughs> It was yeah. like they, they got the grooves that uh, go down. They're, yeah, and they're, also jammed fingers. Your fingers will slide up it now. That's a huge difference. I wonder yeah. if that gets rid of the uh, oven mitt. Yeah, I, I think it also adds a little bit of space for the guys even around second and third base diving into bases. You're seeing a lot more guys blocking bases yeah. now these days. You get, a little, you get three more inches to dive and, or slide and um, more space, more bag for the base runner. Makes sense. Makes so what's, sense. The, what's the other one, the Pickoff? The pickoff rule. This one, it's kind of blowing people's mind because, A, they get to the third pickoff where people are like, well, wait, can the guy just go and there's nothing you can do? So, I don't know. This, this one, for me, well, I no, was you, most you excited about, but I think that's because sometimes I make myself a little bit of a wild card. But there's also times you see guys throwing over to first, and it's like, you're not throwing over to first. You're just delaying a game. And even, you know, speed slows down the game. How long have we heard that? That, you know, I do love when the crowd boos now when guys throw to first, which is kind of just funny. And it's like, wow, we're doing this. But I, I, guess, I guess give me what you got on what's happened in the minor leagues with that and what we should be looking out for with that. Yeah, so the pickoff limit is part of um, the pitch timer and kind of the bigger... Um, I'm very excited for the pitch timer. ...timer regs that are coming in. And the reason we got to do it is uh, if you don't impose a limit on the number of pickoff throws or step-offs that a pitcher can make, the timer doesn't work because the pitcher can just continually reset the timer right. by stepping off. Um, that's a, something we learned from the testing because the prior version of the timer um, had that loophole in it. Um, but... You know, it's actually become a really uh, helpful and interesting part of the timer regulations, the pickoff limit, for the reason you said. It's like now all of a sudden, when you draw a throw over, you've actually accomplished something as a base runner. You, you've made your mm -hmm. opponent kind of burn one of their, um, uh, you know, you can take an extra half-step lead. It makes stolen bases a little bit easier on the margin. It makes those types of players more valuable. And you're probably going to see more of them on rosters, um, you know, go going forward. Um but, uh, yeah, I mean, I would say that it's, it's part of the kind of bigger timer package, which is related to just generally improving the pace and shortening the length of the game. I've wondered if we're, it's going to increase the sneaky pickoff throw. Because usually guys in the A move and a B move and there's a B move to set up the A move, you're not going to do that anymore. You're not going to waste a pickoff on a B move. But if you saw, was it White Sox? Was, there was a pickoff where, you know, he's not even looking. He's like that. And they got him. And I'm wondering if you're going to see, 
Like, I'm not going to do any real pickoffs because it's not worth it. But one of the three, or that first one, I'll just do a complete, like, the catcher just goes, ah, boom, and fake it. Yeah. And it's more of, like, just a real trick play. I, I think there's something to that, and I also think that pitchers are going to spend a little more time, pay a little more attention and focus um, into their work and into their pickoff moves and how they hold runners on. So I think there's, you know, every time you do something, nothing will ever help one side exclusively, competitively speaking. The other side's always going to adapt, improvise, and, and increase uh, their level of awareness to whatever uh, it could hurt them, right? Yeah. And, and the rule is if you throw two pickoffs, you can throw the third, but if you don't get him out, it's a balk. balk. And he gets second anyway. You got so it. the runner can't just start, oh, you threw two, you can't throw another and start walking. You can still get the out. Correct. But it is going to be really interesting when you're like, there's, he's done two already. Like, how much bigger does that lead get? And I'm excited when it's like uh, a slow-footed runner and they're still just not even <laughs> yeah. anywhere. I mean, I, you know, I, when I ask around, that's what I hear is that, with the, you know, guys who don't traditionally steal are still not going to steal in this world, but the elite base stealers are going to become right. sort of more like the elite base stealers in the early 2000s. Or but right that's now. fun. When, when yeah. you know there's a yeah. guy that's going to run and you know the catcher knows he's going to run and the whole stadium. Yeah. So if you get a speedster like Trey Turner late in the game and they burned two and didn't get him, it's edge of your seat. That's Everyone's going to sit player. up. That's like excitement built in right there. So yeah. I'm curious how that one really goes. I, I it might not be an effect. How'd you no. guys, and I, I want to represent Trevor in this because he was a hitter. His 106 home runs don't they pale in comparison to our 305 together. Yeah. But he likes to say the pitchers can be babies. Yeah. Uh, his quote, not mine. Starting How'd pitchers. you guys convince the pitchers into this one? Because that kind of had to be a hard sell, right? I mean, well, we used it in the minor leagues. We collected a lot of data. Yeah. It was a um, very thoughtful approach. And, <laughs> and, no, and, you know, we have pitchers that obviously work at the office, and their input has been really important as well. But, uh, you know, it, it's not incredibly popular right. amongst <laughs> starting pitchers. But to be honest with you, no rule change as a player was ever something that they go, hey, you can't run over the catcher anymore. Right. And you're like, wait, what? Yeah. And, or, or you can't you know, make contact with the middle infielder anymore. And so there's always an adaptation right. period. And um, at first, nothing is ever super popular. But then after a while, you adjust and adapt, and these are the best players in the world. Yeah. And they're going to figure out a way to compete. I like that. How many of the, um, the the pitch clock, how many different versions go into it? Like, in the end, it's just straight up, everyone's under the same clock. I was thinking, and I want to know if this ever came up, like grandfathering some guys in. Like, you got 10 years service time. We're not going to change your whole world when you're trying to, like, mm-hmm. stay in the league. Yeah. And you got some of these guys that, am I really – mess with them for like a first take a while to get used to so that was one caveat and then the other one was like huh. after the seventh inning in like a three-run game it's kind of nice to have the thinking going on and, yeah. and everybody doing that and maybe there's a caveat there but I, it's hard to make you know caveats so yeah. but did any of that come up and yeah. thought but both of those things came up uh and um and I think ultimately, you know, we, we have this committee of players and owners and umpires and staff from our office that um, votes on these rule changes and ultimately, you know, went forward with the timer. And, you know, one of the philosophical themes was, um, you know, if you're going to do something uh, like put a clock in a baseball game, which is a very significant thing mm-hmm. for our sport, um, you want to have it produce a much better game. Yeah. And, and you want that game to be fair to all players, right? Like whoever you are, it applies to you, all teams, in all situations. And you want to kind of jump in the water with both feet, so to speak. And um, and that's what we did in the minor leagues. And I'm glad that we did. And I think it's going to result in, I mean, like the, our minor league experience was it's very bumpy as people get adjusted. And the first couple of weeks of spring training, you're going to see some bumps. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. uh, But people get adjusted. And the number of violations each week of the minor league season just <laughs> falls off a cliff, right? Yeah. Because once players get, you know, you have a new routine, you know, for taking a pitch or delivering a pitch, um, you know, they figure it out. Like you said, they're the best athletes in the world. And, you know, I think one thing you guys referred 
to watching innings from old World Series games. I mean, you're you're going to get sort of the best of both worlds now, where you're going to get today's athletes playing on, under the pace of the 1970s, right. which is something we've never seen before. You know, yeah. at the, like at the big league level, and I and I think it's going to be transformative in terms of you know what what the game looks like. Some people think it's going to mess up the hitters more because they can't step out, <clears throat> they can't really think and calculate all that. Do you think we're going to see more hitters just? Hunting one pitch and and take their brain out of it and be like I'm I'm hunting slider right now. I I, th- I think early on there's going to be an adjustment <clears throat> period for the hitters for sure. I mean years and years ago it's not the same. We didn't have a hard clock, but there was a, a period of time where they said you can't leave the batter's box. Yeah. So David I, Ortiz said, nah, don't care. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Um, <laughs> publicly he was yeah. like, okay. Yeah. yeah. And and um, over time you started adjusting your routine in spring training. And, you know, personally, I found myself not stepping out of the box anymore for years just because I got adjusted, you know, adapted. Mm-hmm. You do your routine in the batter's box and you just speed it up a little bit. I think the flip side could be there's less thinking from the hitter. Yeah. Less thinking and analyzing data and thinking about, you know, what, what pitch may be coming and more um, reaction and, and just a, a natural hitter approach where, you know, you can go up, hunt the pitch that you want and execute. And with more holes, maybe that that's an easier way to hit too. You can can get singles again on, you know, lesser hit. You don't need to hit everything 100 miles per hour now. So, I mean, I'm, I'm excited. I, I don't know how much it's going to change the rest of free agency here. I mean, we we heard Cashman say something like, um, what did he say? He said uh, ground ball pitchers or fly ball pitchers. Fly ball pitchers are going to be a higher. You want fly ball pitchers more than ground ball pitchers now? That's what he said. Something he's like, just, you know, the new rules. So I think fly ball pitchers right, are right because they'd be left shifting on the ground. So there's yeah. an equation there. Yeah, and I was like, oh, okay, you're already thinking of it that way. So yeah, that's interesting. It was part of uh, you know the thinking of this committee was to get everything locked in before the end of the season, so that you know the free agent and trade market could play out mm-hmm. with full knowledge of the way this was going to work, and all our players could have a full off season to. You know, so we, we've got these timers that you may have seen in the minor leagues, but um, a lot of the players and the clubs are ordering them to their training facilities for the offseason, and they're running their bullpens, and you know, everybody's kind of starting to, the prep process of, uh, um, uh, you know, because day one of spring training, we're going to be full go, calling violations. You know, it's going to look different. How do you get the umps to buy in? I mean, they just say whatever. Like, that's their brain, I guess. We just enforce the rules. We don't make them. So. The umpires have been awesome about the timer. Uh, you know, they, it's a extra work for them, and, you know, yeah. they're going to be enforcing Less time this. standing back there, you know? Yeah, but mm-hmm. you, you add up, I mean, call it, let's say, 20 minutes comes off the game times 162 games, and the umpires are on their feet all yeah. game. You know, they're not going back to any dugout. They're not, I mean, and over a 20, 25-year career as an umpire, I mean, you're talking about a significant benefit mm-hmm. to uh, to those guys. And um, some of them got an opportunity to see the timer by, you know, they actually do rehab assignments the same way players do. Mm-hmm. They go to the minor leagues to kind of get get loose and, you know, come back to the big league. So they got exposed to it a little bit, um, and uh, – and they came back with really positive reviews. I mean, they, they were they're really excited about it. So when when we sit down in 2024, two years from now, what are Good we going to be talking about? Are we challenging pitches? I, I think all I think baseball a lot Maybe of baseball a fans base. a lot of yeah. safety base a lot of baseball fans have seen the clip. Uh, was it the fall league or one of the minor leagues where the the hitter was challenging Trip, the pitch on AAA the, on the spot? Or they did like, the fall league too. Is what. Not to get you guys in trouble or overstep your boundaries, but what what do well, we think we're talking about well, in a couple of years? Manfred said ne- like next year they're some sort of strike zone. Yeah, we're making a lot of progress on the on a automated strike zone. I mean, there's there's a couple we're we're going to go heavy on testing it in the minor leagues this year. There's a couple outstanding questions. One is the the format, right? How do you actually like deploy right. the technology? Like, do you just use it to call every single pitch? which interestingly has been very unpopular from players and coaches in the minor mm-hmm. leagues, or do you have this kind of challenge system, that video you referred to, where it's a normal game, but you know, a certain number of times per game you can challenge, you know, big spots or mm-hmm. bad misses or whatever. Well, the best part of it is that only the catcher, batter, and pitcher can challenge. Yeah. I, that's something I think, uh, I guess a new rule is, um, and I, I've watched so many uh, foreign sports, I watch cricket or other sports in other countries and see how they do their replays and stuff. And it's like, whoa, they're ahead of us in certain ways. And I, I would love to see where umps can say, I don't know, 
And that's what they do in, uh, in other countries. The ump just literally just goes, fuck if I know. Go watch it on replay. <laughs> that was really close. <laughs> like, we're, forcing, <laughs> we're forcing umps to make a call. And they don't know. Yeah. And well, then we're asking then, them to do sometimes things that human beings. Yeah, it's cannot. not on the umps. And then yeah. the ump. And then my favorite example of this is Joe West in the eighteen World Series, the Astros Nationals, the fan in, fan interference, Mookie Betts. Joe West is out there, and he calls it a home run or whatever it was. But then he calls for an ump review because he's doubting himself. Mm-hmm. But then the review comes back inconclusive, so it stands. And it's like. But what stands is the very thing the guy who said it doubted. So how does that hold water? So that's yeah. why I was like, wouldn't it be better just to be like, let's just go check? Yeah. Because we put weight into these guesses when they don't, they don't know. Yeah. So I'd love it if there was just like, that's what they do. They do a square, you know, just go, go check this out because I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we've obviously had instant replay for a long time in, in baseball and it's, and it's worked pretty well. I think people have their issues with it, but um, you know, the, the, the ball strike calling, um, you know, we're getting close to the point where we can have a serious conversation about whether we want this, mm-hmm. at, you know, at the major league level. And, you know, it's an interesting philosophical question for the sport, you know, of, of uh, you know, that's, that's, a really fundamental piece of you know of baseball having the right. umpire back there and and um, going with the balls and strikes he's calling and um, and anyway we're not quite yet at the point where it's ready to go but well that's you know, something when you implement it it needs to be yeah right you know yeah. oh yeah it's like uh, they implemented easy pass in New Jersey but it could only do ten <laughs> miles per hour and then two years later sixty mile per hour easy pass but they couldn't afford to change the whole system and it's like you should just wait it till this was you know right. Yeah, um, that's what we're doing. I mean, we're like th- that one in particular. We're being super cautious yeah. and careful, and you know, if like we need to be like a hundred percent confident that it's right for the game. It's be- it makes a- for a better game for fans. And I love um, taking it out of the dugout. Like that. That's something that I would explore on replay itself, and and make the players on the because that's something else in other in all these other countries. Like the coaches don't get much say at all in between the actual game so the players on the field have to call for it and it's like on them yeah and then players implement like you better not get this wrong because right now what does every player do when there's a close call and like they don't really know they're They're wrong often yeah they're wrong all the time if you held them to like hey you better get this right (laughs) um it would be that's what scares me about it yeah but you'd really do it when it's blatant or or I think Michael K says it'd be interesting if you did replay but you could only watch it in live speed so you weren't fully zoomed in going slow-mo and looking at the two cleats like this and and you say you know you can get watch every angle but at live speed and if it's that blatant then change it I don't know I, I, I don't heard that I, before that's I don't know if I like that or not but I think it's just for that hover rule of of a guy slides in and pops up for yeah. one second and it's like well, how do you do That's that? Tough. I mean, you're putting your finger on the philosophical issue, which is like, what is our goal here, right? Yeah. Is it to get like, like the truth, even if it's by a half a millimeter mm-hmm. that, you know, like the hand beat the glove or whatever, you know, is that the goal? Yeah. Or is the goal to, you know, kind of just, if it's, egregious fix it but otherwise let it yeah, be that's a tough line and 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 it, you got to draw a line exactly yeah. and and balls and strikes is, is such a great example of that issue where um you know we have we're gonna eventually have the ability to get every pitch a hundred percent accurate right. but i'm not sure people want that like you know because we we delivered it to in the minor leagues and and at least today what we heard from the players and coaches with that system was that no, thank you. Right. And 100% accurate gets tricky because what, what is that? Is that the ball that shaves the, the the pylon cam of home plate and now pitchers are manipulating if they can touch that corner and then do you want that? So, yeah, that's uh, good luck. We, we, we wish you guys the best. <laughs> well, you know, you asked the 2024. I mean, we may be in the same spot in right. 2024. We, we don't know what the uh, – What about the three-batter minimum rule? Is that – people love it in the league? And, and or is there ever – do rules like that get – brought up like every three years let's rethink this it's oh yeah yeah we 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 talk about everything that's currently a rule and everything that might be a rule every year um we've got yeah um i think that three hundred minimum generally has been positive people like that it's reduced the number of mid-inning pitching changes um which fans hate and it and 
you know, it actually does kind of add a strategic element to the game if you know somebody's got to come in for, for three batters. Yeah. I wonder if, yeah, the only thing I don't like is the way the Yankees use it, which is <laughs> actually slows down the game. <laughs> that's a personal, that's a personal. Well, it personal. slows down, well, other teams right. may do it too, but it slows down the game. They'll, they'll, they'll never let a, pin, a reliever finish an inning. Every reliever starts, gets the third out, because then they can pull them the next inning. So everyone's doing an up-down, everyone's getting tired, and it's like, it hasn't really worked for them. But that's... Yeah. Believer gets two outs. Okay, bring in the next one. He gets the last out. I, I almost would rather it be just like you get twice a game. You can change a pitcher in between innings. So if you have a starting pitcher and there's no one on and two outs, but it's an in favorable matchup, like tough. Roll the dice there. But you yeah. get it gets obviously yeah. you, you can leave a guy in to really just lose it. Yeah. But that's uh, it's like for Yankees it's on the opposite. It's like we get more middle of the inning changes now. Because they just always go two outs, bring the next guy in, he gets the last out. The rule doesn't apply to him. I'm like, oh, yeah. You guys should join some of our meetings. I'm you in. guys think about this a lot? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I love well, this stuff. Oh, wait, this yeah. is, we didn't even, I, I was about to take it to another area. Because, um, you know, we, Trev would call them late night thoughts. I call them shower thoughts. I, I don't know. Maybe you guys set up some happy hour sessions where it's like, let's, let's let things run a little bit. Like, what, what gets you guys some, like, what would get some gasps if we went into a meeting, you invited us, and I said, hey, what about a designated fielder? Roll over if, I, if I said move the mound back because I'm seeing Ryan Helsley throw 103, and it's like, what are we doing here a little bit? Like, what's, I, I guess, are there any kind of gasp or crazy things that get discussed that, I don't know, they get brought up and everyone kind of thinks for a second, and maybe it's like, hey, let's not touch this now, but is, is there anything along those lines? Yeah. Of course. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think everything that we consider, we try to grade on this very murky scale of this This is going to offend the sensibilities of baseball fans and baseball will stop being baseball if we do this. Right. Um, or it's just impractical, right? And, and one, one issue that prompts a lot of suggestions like that is our strikeout rate, right? Like our league-wide right. strikeout rate's been kind of on a 100-year trend upward, and it, you know we're in tw- the low 20s now. And we would love to find a way to have fewer strikeouts in the, in the, the major league level. Mm-hmm. But it's not easy to figure out how to have fewer strikeouts. And we'd, one of the things we tried in the Atlantic League two years ago was moving their mound back. Mm-hmm. Halfway through the season, we took their mound 12, or their pitching rubber 12 inches further back. And what we thought would happen is hitters have a fraction of a second more time to right. see the pitch. We'd make more contact. But, um, strikeout rate went up in the Atlantic League mm-hmm. in the second half. And uh, there's all kinds of theories about why that happened. More break? Like more time for it to break, maybe? That is what we heard. Yeah. Interesting. And that it just kind of messes with your timing. I think the pitch clock it. will help with strikeouts. One way or the other. But, I mean, if pitchers are, are just – you're going to see more fastballs, I think. Because <laughs> you got so much time to – is that what I want to throw? Is that what I – did I set him up right for this? Let's just throw a fastball. Let's, yeah. just, let's just place a fastball. And then you might – and you get – I think guys are going to be geared up to swing. Yeah. Because – because you, you can't overthink it. So I, I, I hope that helps. But yeah. I was talking to a major league pitcher like a maybe a month ago who was talking to me about how he's preparing for the pitch timer. And he said to me something interesting. He said, you know, when I was a kid and I was learning to pitch, one of the things that got preached to me was get early contact, right? Your, mm. your job is to get through the game. You need to get this plate appearance, whatever happens, over in three pitches. And he said that's going to be – a tool for me with runners on now because I don't have a good pickoff move. And he said, I'm, mm. I'm going into this season kind of mentally preparing to try to deliver earlier contact and get the ball in play, which you don't hear people say very often uh, anymore. Um, yeah. and, and honestly, if that happens, who knows? There's one guy. But, but if that happens, that's a better game. I mean, uh, you, know, you get more action, you get the ball in play. I'm glad Alcantara won Cy Young, and he's a pitch-to-contact guy because that whole skill has been – Push down where everyone, all the Cy Young strikeout numbers, strikeout numbers, like getting early outs is much better than getting strikeouts because you want your best pitchers to pitch longer. You know, Garrett Cole can go five innings and strike out 12. Or, all right, Dylan Cease, he went like five innings and struck out 12 every game, but he didn't pitch that much. Yeah. Where Sandy is going, he's got the most innings pitched, most games started because he gets early contact and he lasts games. It's it, that never felt level to me. I understand strikeouts the ultimate outcome because nothing else can happen, but like, it's a lot of pitches to strike everyone out. It's yeah. incredible where we are as a game when we talk about Sandy Alcantara being a pitch to contact guy <laughs> right. at ninety-seven to one hundred yeah. with a two-seamer, serious <laughs> run with serious run, and it's and it's it's hard contact, and I don't mean hard 
hit. I mean, it's hard for the hitter. Yeah, it jams him. Heavy jam shot, broken thumbs type of contact yeah. if you're right-handed. But uh, what, what a great pitcher. You know, yeah. he is, and what a great season he had. Just Thanks. take the ball and go. It was you awesome. It. Any other rules that we've debated, mulled over? I don't know. What have we missed? I just, I just want heavyweight ballots between pitchers, starting pitchers back, but I don't know how. Yeah. I think we are trending back that way. I think the game might This year felt like a good step. Yeah. yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know what that was, if, if that was front offices saying we, we don't want our bullpens burnt out by the end of the year or whatever it was, but I think yeah. we saw a conscious Real, effort Realizing it's, it's to hard to. It's hard to trust or get five guys to be on their game all the time. But yeah. even in the playoffs, it felt more like starting pitchers were, I mean, with the Astros having their guys. and No doubt. Well, one thing you look, you know, we've looked at with the timer coming is, you know, we've got a wide range of pace in baseball. And all our fastest pitchers are starters. And all of our slowest pitchers <laughs> are relievers. And I think, you know, the logic would hold that the guy is going to be most impacted by this timer are going to be our relief pitchers. And the game's going to look more like starting pitchers are in the game, right, with, with, with them and everything. So um, if that makes relief pitching less effective and encourages clubs to keep starters in the game a little longer, that, you know, that's, that's a positive as well. Do you well. think broadcasters are going to get, get upset with you guys? Like I'm thinking of Bob Costas trying to paint the scene yeah. in the ninth <laughs> inning of a big play. Can I tell you something funny? So he's going to have no time. So we <laughs> – <laughs> the two of us and our, you know, all the guys in our office have been in the minor leagues all year this past year, kind of getting ready for this, right? Getting the timer dialed in, and and, and uh, when you're down there, you get to talk to these guys that call minor league games on the radio or whatever, and um, and every one of them says to you, "This has completely changed my job." Like, I, like mm. before this timer, I had to tell stories about oh, the bus ride yeah. in 1981, <laughs> you know, and and now I call the game. And that's all there's time to do. And I, I think you're going to see it, that it's going to be an adjustment for, for the broadcasters too. That, you know, like you're going to be much more focused on the game on the field because there's not that dead time. to. And um, more infractions have been called on the pitchers and the minors and the hitters because I've seen replay or highlights of both where the hitter didn't get set in time. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Because you've got some hitters that take forever as well. You do. Yeah, oh, like yeah. I said, I mean, the, the beginning of spring training, everyone's just going to have to put their hands over their ears <laughs> for a couple of days yeah. and uh, while people are getting adjusted. But, oh, it's uh, going to be people are going to complain so much. People <laughs> love complaining. <laughs> people love to hate new things. Yeah, but yeah. it's going to be okay. You know, it's going to be okay. We're, we're, baseball is going to have a great year. And, and No, I'm excited for the pitch clock and the shift. I think both of them are going to p- go back to, like, what young people actually want in a sport. Yeah. Which is weird because it is actually like younger people. It's, it, for me, it's flipped. Like our age, 30, is, is actually more okay with it. When I talk to younger people, like, ah, I'm like, what are you talking about? Just trust be, us. Yeah. <laughs> Give it a chance. Yeah. <laughs> Want to ask her some, some Yankees questions? We'll, we'll do a couple it, quick hitters. If, yeah. you, if you got time. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Thank you guys. Yeah, thank, thank you very much. Yeah. Thank you guys. Sorry. No, thank you guys. And you know, one last thing I wanted to say about the pitch timer, too, that I think is going to help overall players, too is the recovery rate. I mean, you start taking a, a guy who's going to play 142 games a season or 140 games or 150 games, mm-hmm. or like Dansby Swanson played 162 at short. I think right. it was this year. And you start take, you know, shaving 20 minutes off a game, and yeah. the cumulative effect. And you know, fatigue is a cumulative thing. Uh, so I think long-term for those guys uh, later on in the season, especially position players at the premium positions, but, but just all of them in general, yeah. getting off their feet in the dugout again and, you know, back home, showered, re, you know, prehabbed, ready to go again. Left fielders, though, or, or right fielders in that, yeah. that far dugout, they're going to be making that run much, like much quicker much, now. Much cleaner. Much <laughs> yeah. cleaner. Yeah. We, we thought Ian Happ was busting our balls. He was like, oh, man, stadium today. I got to run like 10. And then we it's thought true. about yeah. it. We were like. Yeah, like yeah. if you got to run every ten minutes, you got to do that run back and forth. I'm like, I would be tired. It's true, and when you go into a place that's hot and humid, and you're the left fielder, but you're on the first base dugout, you're like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> I never thought set. about that. Yeah, it's so true. he's right. It's he so exactly true. Right. Yeah, makes a long day. All right, I well, or you played 162 one year. That was the first thing I pulled up. I think I did I it like, twi- maybe twice. Let's. Oh yeah, twice. You led the league one year, but I guess. Was that Matt? One year, someone must have played 163. Really? Got traded. Damn. Damn. Beat you. <laughs> yeah. Tough. What goes into that? I mean, mm-hmm. no one does that anymore. Do you? Is that a sense of pride for you, or, yeah. or do you look at the game now? I mean, and be he like, had the stat ready to go. Yeah. That's that's a really good perspective that you have right there. It's totally a sense of pride, and 
um, it's almost like at the end of the season you feel like, uh, you know, in your mind, last game's over, you put your hands in the air in your mind, and you said, you know, I played every game and not wanting to come out of the game. So um, Adrian Beltre, myself, and, you know, Sexton, and I remember, you know, they'd be walking around, Hargrove would be walking around looking for a guy to take a day off. And he'd say, I'm thinking about take, giving you Sunday off, and I'd go, hey, you should go ask Beltre. <laughs> you know, he probably could use a day off. He plays third base. It's yeah. hard. So he'd go ask Beltre. He'd say, you know what? You should ask Sexton. Yeah. You know? yeah. So, so we'd do him. that, and then he'd go, well, one of you guys have to take a freaking day off. One of you guys is off. Figure it out. So Yeah, I mean, you got a couple 159s in here, so yeah. you were at the end of the list, I guess. Of, uh, just uh, yeah. go get him. <laughs> go get the other guy. Well, we're waiting for the big news as Yankee fans for Judge to sign. And the rumor is eight years, nine years. He's 30, 31 years old, He'll be and a lot of people are detracting. And then I bring up your baseball reference, <laughs> and from 31 years old to 40 years old, your numbers are insane. You are above average or, like, slugging. Those are your best years. So it can be done. <laughs> it can totally be done. Edgar Martinez, I had a great mentor. Edgar Martinez, you know, Hall of Famer, greatest, you know, one of the greatest DHs of all time. And I remember watching his preparation as a young player. And every time I'd come in, even if I wasn't playing much, I'd come into the locker room and I'm starving because when you don't play, you're starving. So I'd like, start walking to the food room and Edgar would always be walking to the weight room. And I'd just turn around and follow him. <laughs> he didn't even know I was like a creepy you know, little yeah, yeah. brother that was doing everything he did. So wherever Edgar went, I just did it. So I would ask him, uh, pick his brain, ask a lot of questions, him and Jamie Moyer. I was fortunate to have mentors like that that were really productive into their mid-30s, late-30s. And um, Edgar was one of the guys who told me, look, if you train, take care of your nutrition. Um, I wound up buying a hyperbaric chamber, even though I'm claustrophobic, slept in Oof. it for you know, years. Um, and so if you take care of yourself, and nutritionally, I mean, it's science and uh, the way that you can recover now and you take it in the, you know, your off-season training, there's a way to continue to be productive. And guys are still doing it now. So I would never bet against Aaron Judge to be able to do it. Mm. I love it. I was, I was looking at that, and I was like, yeah. It's, it's scary, I guess, but it's big money. So, But he's going to be playing. He's not going to be playing center field like he did this year. So that's good. Yeah. That was wild. If you, uh, <clears throat> if you jump back in, I mean, <laughs> it's 2012. You're 40 years old? 39, turn 40. 39, yeah. you turn 40. I turned 40. 40. I was 40 when that happened, yes. Yeah. You're playing for the Yankees. A lot of guys' careers, I mean, we, we've gained such an appreciation at this point. Um, you know, whenever Trevor meets a 10-year ten, guy, we never understood the value of that. And the more we met dudes in baseball and saw, like, yeah, it how needs to be proud, celebrated more. How it needs proud to be a bigger thing. they are for each other and the family. You're 40 years old. You're balling for the Yankees. Like, what's – where's your head at during that time? Is it, is it just, like, par for the course for you at that point? Or are you, like is, – is there so much extra maintenance that has to go in at that point? Because now we're, we're in the 30s. I, there's days I still look like I'm 18, but, like, we're – you know – you start to feel it a lot more. That oh, yeah. we're feeling it a lot more. So, I, take us back to that period of time. So, I mean, the off-season training. I think if you, I used to always say to myself, if you wait to train for thirty-five at thirty-five, it's too late. Mm. So you, ha I Damn. think it's the cumulative effect. <laughs> and I that's, oh, that's awful news for <laughs> us. For baseball, I'm a professional athlete, not you guys. You guys have plenty of time. Okay, great, great, great. <laughs> but I'm talking about from a production standpoint. Uh, you know, you you have to. There's a cumulative effect and a compound effect to everything. So taking the nutrition and the diet and the training serious at 25, I, I think you start reaping the benefits and the rewards later on. Mm -hmm. And as you age, you have to adapt and, you know, you have to work more on speed and twitch. Mm -hmm. um, you usually have a good strength base, but you do have to work on speed and twitch nonstop. So I had great strength coaches like Lou Deneen and Pete Bomarito, Bomarito Performance Systems, and then Brian Hennessy, who helped me at the end of my career, who was a you know, former NFL player, and just twitch mm -hmm. and speed and focusing on, on that um, side of things and making sure that you're not just your absolute strength, but also your relative body strength is where it needs to be, and sprinting a lot, doing a lot of quick twitch type mm -hmm. explosive movements. Um, so yeah, going yeah. to New York at the time, they had a great training staff and, you know, uh, Joe was awesome and Cash and, uh, Billy Epler were great too. So, um, just kind of, that's where it was. That's where I was at that point. You got brought in and to that team, which was, had some mainstays and some older guys. I mean, I mean, it was a lot, of, it was a veteran clubhouse, a veteran team at that point. 
I remember asking Greg Bird about, I was 16 when he joined and he got called up and we were like, what was it like? And he was like, it's old. It's <laughs> like, I was 10 years younger than the next like oldest person. I was like, oh, that's, like, I never thought of it. But was that comforting for you to go there? And it was like a bunch of guys that 10 year careers in there. I mean, what? Tex, A-Rod, Jeter. CC. CC. Mo. Yeah. I mean, was that kind of comforting? Like, hey, let's yeah. go get this. Let's go run it. Yeah, it was, it was such a cool thing when you walk into, you know, you walk into that environment, Yankee Stadium, and you have these guys who are legends in the game, but then you have these other legends that are walking around, like Whitey Ford and Yogi Berra, mm-hmm. may they rest in peace, but these guys are walking around, Reggie Jackson, you know, these are guys that you had their baseball cards and grew up with, uh, grew up watching in, in Reggie's case. Um, so you did find some comfort in that, but what you really felt is that everything in New York, you know, on the Yankee club, was it was all based on winning. We're going to give you everything you need. At one point, I took our strength coach, Dana, um, to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers because they had this belt squat that my strength coach had created. And I said, yeah, this is the, the – there's Billy Epler right there. Hey, yes. how about it? We're t- um, <laughs> so, um, so, you know, I, I pointed at it. I said, yeah, I, I want one of those. He said, you want one of those? He said, yeah. He said, pick it up and bring it over. So they picked up this belt squat machine that weighs 250 pounds and brought it over, and we took it to New York. And so it was whatever you need. To, to get better in order to help us win baseball games, that's what we're going to do. Well, that that like kind of culture or whatever of Yankees fans and fandom is came a little under the microscope this year with uh, booing in the playoffs and and uh, Gallo complaining about the treatment he got. But you play, and then, and then you have Baum, who's you know said I fucking hate this place <laughs> to Phillies fans, and then Phillies in the playoffs. You also played in the Midwest and then out west. How much different was it? I, I know I know it's different. But how discouraged, because they're, try, they're trying to say, like, guys don't want to come because the fans are too mean now. But on the flip side, like, every, I don't know. I just, is, do you think that fan, guys are really discouraged in your day? Were guys ever, like, discouraged by the booing or that, those Philly and Yankees atmospheres? I, I can talk about my experience. I loved everywhere I played. I know it sounds like the you <laughs> yeah. know, political thing to say. I really do love, and I appreciated each place independently of each other and maybe able to evaluate that way. I love the electricity of Philly and New York, especially in the postseason, that environment. Now, at the same time, I was, you know, in my mid-late 30s and playing in, you know, early 40s, so um, it didn't really bother me. So I don't know how somebody would feel going in there at 22, 23. Younger, yeah. Yeah, younger. But I, I love the accountability and the honesty of, um, you know, place like New York or even Philly. I love the accountability and the honesty. And, you know, to a lot of these scenarios, you just have to be straight up with them and you go, hey, I, I blew it. I, I stunk tonight. And they, love, they appreciate it and, you know, you move on. I always say that in uh, the Northeast, beeping and booing are just not big <laughs> deals yeah. uh, uh, compared to other, because I lived in California and I lived in Illinois and like, Man, California, someone beeps at you. It's like, oh my God, they're mad. Where you go to New Jersey, it's, it's, all it's nonstop. Yeah. It's yeah. a beep first, a boo first state, and it doesn't hold as much. So, like, you're judging that, but that's because you're judging it from your perspective. Like, no one cares. Like, at Yankee Stadium, people boo, but it's the same way people groan at other stadiums. It's just like, ugh. Instead, it comes out, boo. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, whatever. Yeah. And, and by the way, disclaimer here the fans would cheer Raul, so it sounded like a boo anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. good ones. You know, if I was like, oh, for 10, I would say, oh, they're cheering for me. Yeah. <laughs> they want me to go. <laughs> Bo- Booney and Moose. Yeah. Booney Moose, yeah. You crushed Messina, by the way. Did you know that? I was looking at you, you versus Messina stats, and uh, I think uh, you, like, lit him up. Really? Well, he was, a great, he was a great pitcher. But I, <laughs> I when he faced you. He <laughs> <laughs> went four for four one day. I was like, and then, yeah, so you had six straight hits off him. So he probably remembers that. Wow. I didn't yeah. know that. You didn't know that? Thanks no. for that. I feel good. Yeah. It makes me feel good. He's a great pitcher. I've got, I've got <laughs> another. the Royals, you guys hung like 16 hits on him in, in five innings. Wow. Fuck. Must have been tipping or something. No. no he, you know, he wasn't. But that, that, some of those Royals teams, we, you know, the first two years, 01, 02, we weren't great in the wins and loss column. Uh, 03 was a lot better. But the offense could hit. I mean, it was Sweeney, Beltron. Randa was in that lineup. Uh, you know, Michael Tucker was scattered through there. Fabless. So we could, you know, we swung the bats pretty well as a team. 
I was I was just gonna I was gonna send you more of a compliment than a question as Jimmy was yeah. tasting you on Messina, so we'll keep it going. <laughs> yeah. No, I, it, it, Jimmy led me into this before. Your baseball family tree. You mentioned some of the guys oh, yeah. on those Royals teams. You mentioned some of the guys in Seattle uh, and the Yankees in Philly, like. Yeah, your you your family guy. tree of baseball is awesome, man. I mean, how 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 much of those guys do you keep up with? I, I guess, or or looking back at the time, like you talked about, how much you appreciate Edgar Martinez. Which yeah. man, for the young guys that don't know, like he was a dude. Whenever he came on the TV screen, and I'm so thankful for you know some of the yes guys that were like. That man can hit. <laughs> like, watch what that guy does because he can hit. So, I, I guess who are some of the guys that you're still connected to, and who are some of the guys that you appreciate the most sitting back here now? Yeah, I mean, a lot of those guys, and even the guys that you don't keep in touch with, you shoot them a text, they text right back. Yeah. You know, uh, Beltre and I are close. Carlos Beltran and I are, you know, buddies, yeah. and we're close. And I mean, the Ryan Howard, Jimmy Rollins, like that whole crew. Chase, uh, we, you know, Jason Worth. Yeah, man. Uh, we all keep in close contact we don't see Ruiz as often hmm. um, we were going to make t-shirts to say where's Chooch <laughs> because he lives in Panama okay <laughs> but um somewhere in Panama and he like rides horses and we'll he's got a ranch we'll start the campaign yeah, where's campaign where's Chooch but we did get to see him during the the postseason but nice. a lot of the guys from Seattle we were very close to JJ yeah. Putz and you know Bloomquist wow. and have you ever seen this this is like your teammate web who who there's a website web? there's a website that does you just type in a player so like you can see you and Moyer, uh, ten seasons. Uh, shit, that's his. Let's see. Nine, he's got you. Moyer's got nine million people. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, he's got oh, yeah. a. He's so got one like, of those like yeah, sperm donor pages. And, and then you like, got oh. Edgar, uh, A. Rod. Yeah. I mean, but even on the outskirts, you know, Randy for a bunch of years, yeah. Griffey, Cole Hamels. I was looking. I was like, you played with a lot of like you know, Beltre down here, Dude. Felix, Griffey's. Griffey, yeah. We, which we he's all right. to this yeah. day. Yeah, he's yeah. Best, I mean, you guys should one day have the yeah. experience of walking through a major league clubhouse with Raul. It's like yeah. nothing you will ever experience. Every single person you walk by, like the trainers, the coaches, the players, the, everybody is his best friend. And uh, it's yeah, I've never seen anything <laughs> like it. It's really amazing. It just means I'm old. Guys. <laughs> <laughs> That's I, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I haven't been on this in a while, but yeah, it's cool. I Dobbs, this, this is just for me, and I think it's my last thing. It's not even Yankees. It's back to Griffey because I five hundred and eighty different teammates. There's, Total. Name them. No. <laughs> um, there's there's a I I don't get into actual debates because I think you hit a certain age and you're like, what are we doing? But um, you know, there's there's a lot of people out there that are like, you know, Bonds is the best. Look at the stats, and you know, there's a really good argument there, and I I don't even want to have the argument. There's a lot of other stuff there, and I don't want to talk about that either right now. Griffey. Up until age 30, 31 or so, he's, like, unmatched, man. And I <clears throat> just – Did you play in the minors with him? Like, a, no, we were together in the, at the big league level. Yeah. So, in, in Seattle, we got – I got to play alongside him, played with his brother in the minor leagues, and – I got to play with Mike Trout, which is another, you know, all-time great. <laughs> wow. Throw him on there. Yeah, yeah. That's, like, <laughs> incredible. When I saw Mike Trout, I'll tell you some Trout stories that I watched him do. If I didn't see him do it – I would think I was lying too. Yeah. But um, but Griffey, you almost became a fan on the field. Yeah. We're playing a doubleheader one day in Detroit, and Luis Gonzalez hits a ball in right center, and Griffey goes over the wall, and he goes like belly over the <laughs> wall, right? And in my mind, thankfully I didn't do it on the field, but in my mind I was standing there with my hands on my head. <laughs> like, I can't believe this. Now, I was like the double-cut guy home, yeah. right? Griffey comes back over the wall, catches it, and fires to first base, to the bag. And I'm standing, like, in the middle of the field watching the play happen, and I'm like, hey, that's me. Yeah. I had to sprint over to first and catch the ball because I became a fan on the field. I had yeah. heard people say that about Michael Jordan. That's what Griffey was. You know, Junior one day comes by me in the dugout as a young player and says, I'm going to hit this ball to left and did it, got a base hit. I was like, okay. And he walks by me again. He goes, I'm going to hit this ball to center. And he hit a bullet to center and got a base hit. I'm like, okay, that's different. Yeah. Like as a young player, I was like, okay, that's different. <laughs> so the third time he walks by, he looks right at me. He goes, now I'm going to hook him. <laughs> and he goes, and went deep to right. And I was like, I, I've never seen anything like that before, since, or after that. Wow. Just incredible. That's Called cool. three shots. Yeah. That's, that's what I was looking for. I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you very much for chatting with us. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks, guys. All right. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, that was a lot of fun. Go tweet at Raul. Yeah, Raul uses Twitter. 
he was. He's really excited about this. I might tweet at Raul right now. And by the way, go check out that baseball reference. There's some impressive stuff on there. One of the better our, ones you'll find. With our guy, our guy Raul. And uh, thank you to Morgan Sword for joining us as well. And yeah, it was it was cool deep diving into all those topics and knowing they're testing and what they're trying and what they're thinking. And uh, hey, maybe if they get a big enough response, tweet at Raul and tell them to add us to the committee. And then we'll literally be infiltrating the game. Yeah. Um, and we run baseball. So uh, cool to chat with the guys like literally like in charge of figuring out the new yeah. rules that we're seeing next year. Where we're trying to go. I think we threw out Yeah, I think we at one point threw out like the designated fielder and Raul's yeah. like, Yeah. That's my favorite favorite part. You it was like, Wow, Jake asked a really good question there. You guys just listened to it, but when you were like in two years when we're doing this again, what rule we try to corner about? them there. That's art of the deal. Um hey Happy holidays. Hopefully there's some breaking news that comes in. We love you guys. We'll see you soon. Go baseball. Maybe Correa switches teams again. Maybe it already happened. Chick sucks. Watch this again.